0: So last week, I gave you the Baptist Faith and Messages uh, statement on the church. It's on our website under Beliefs. If you want to look at it again, it outlines two biblical offices of the church. We just read about them here in 1 Timothy. That is the office of the pastor, also recognized as elder or overseer, and the office of deacon. This morning, we're going to be looking at these two roles and the qualifications for each of these offices. And we're going to start this morning with the role of pastor. Again, pastor is synonymous with elder or overseer. The three terms are interchangeable. In First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Paul is telling Timothy that those who aspire to be a pastor aspire to serve in a noble task. It's a meaningful calling, it's a noble calling, it's special. It can be difficult and is oftentimes painful. Nonetheless, it is a calling worth going after. So what is this noble task of the pastor of a local church? As Paul is writing this to Timothy, the role of pastor and even the idea of church is relatively new to these people because the Jewish religion doesn't have a pastor, doesn't have churches. They have priests and they have synagogues and a pastor is not a priest and a church is not a synagogue. In the New Testament, we have the birth of the church and the beginning of these two offices of priest and deacon. Paul and the other New Testament writers help us understand what these two ideas are as they write. Look with me at Acts chapter 20, this is in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. In your notes, a pastor watches over the church like a shepherd watches over a flock entrusted to him. A pastor's primary concern is for the spiritual state of the church's members and attenders. And a pastor cares for the church by protecting the people from the world and those inside who want to harm the church. Now, this is an important aspect of the office of pastor. I honestly wasn't aware of how essential this role was. I don't know that many who aren't pastors realize the responsibility a pastor has to protect the church that he's been called to watch over. I've been in ministry for over 20 years and I didn't realize how much the pastor of a church leads the church by protecting the church until I became your pastor a year and a half ago. The idea of protecting the church is always on my mind. It's often in my study and it's often in my prayers. So how does a pastor protect the church? Let's look at Acts chapter six, verse four. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. If a pastor's primary concern is for the spiritual state of the members and attenders of the church, his primary duties are prayer, study, and teaching. The pastor's primary duties are prayer, study, and teaching. Now, the pastor is not just a teacher in general, but a teacher specifically of the Word of God. The Bible is the primary source for what the pastor teaches from. The pastor is not necessarily a motivational speaker, a social commentator, or a cultural Christianity cheerleader stringing together Christian cliches. A pastor is a teacher of the Word of God. The pastor teaches the Bible. The pastoral office is not for most people. If history tells us anything, there's probably many people serving in the office of pastor that are not biblically qualified to do so. Just because someone's a gifted speaker or a charismatic teacher, that doesn't necessarily mean they should be a pastor. It doesn't mean they're qualified to serve in this role. It is a high calling with a great responsibility. Let's look at the qualifications of a pastor here in First Timothy. This is chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, You can also look at Titus chapter 1, 6 through 8. Paul is writing to another pastor, in this case Titus, about the qualifications of being a pastor. These two passages are very similar in nature. So what are the qualifications of being a pastor of a local church? A pastor must be above reproach. So what does that mean? Basically, it means blameless or perfect. Now, that's an extremely high bar to meet, wouldn't you think? To be blameless or perfect. In fact, no one can meet this bar of perfection except for Jesus himself. Paul doesn't even meet the bar of perfection. So what does Paul say when he says a pastor must be above reproach? Paul uses the rest of chapter 3, verses 2 through 7 to help us understand how a pastor should be above reproach. He says a pastor should be above reproach and then he describes what that means in the rest of the passage. The statements that he uses to define above reproach are much easier to understand. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well. He must not be a recent convert, and he must be well thought of by outsiders. Now these are the standards you are to hold someone who aspires to be the pastor of a local church. And not just our church, but any church that calls itself Christian. For the sake of the gospel, this is what we hold pastors to. Now let me add that Paul would still struggle to get passing grades on some of these standards. If you know Paul, if you know his, he's the one who wrote this, and that's why I keep using him. If you know his life and the things that happened to him, you'd know that he may not always be well thought of by outsiders, because the outsiders were attacking the church. They were attacking him, and he was trying to protect the church. And if you're protecting the church from something or someone, That someone may not think well of you. And so when someone is attacking a pastor or a church, that doesn't necessarily disqualify them as being well thought of by those outsiders. The role of the pastor is hard work. We see that his primary duties are to pray, to study, and to teach it's noble work, it's meaningful, and it can be challenging, but the church needs more, doesn't it? It needs more than just what the pastor does. The pastor cannot do everything, even though many pastors want to do everything. We see that the work of the church can be overwhelming, and this is what happens in Acts chapter 6. Let's look again at at, at chapter 6, this time verses 1 through 3. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and of wisdom, who will Whom we will appoint to this duty. So here in Acts, we see the early church growing and having growing pains. And people, as they do, started to complain as they started suffering through those growing pains. They were complaining that the church isn't meeting their needs. Now, these needs were real needs. They were talking about being fed and being taken care of. The complaint wasn't over trivial matters. These things were important. The complaint wa- was that the widows weren't being taken care of. This was a threat to the disunity in the early church. The pastor of, of the church saw that this was a real need that the early church needed to address, but also realized it wasn't their primary duty to take care of. So in God's good wisdom, the role of the deacon was created. Deacons serve the church by meeting the needs of the church. Deacons and pastors care for the church differently. Pastors care for the church by protecting the church. Deacons care for the church by meeting the needs of the church. These two offices of the church work together care for the church together, much like men and women Women serve differently in the home and in the church. So let's look at the qualifications of deacon here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is verses 8 through 12. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Last week, we discussed that the senior pastor role is reserved for qualified men to reflect the biblically created order. Now the role of deacon is open to both men and women who reflect these qualities found here in 1 Timothy. Dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, being tested, blameless, husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Now the deacon's spouses, are also required to reflect the following qualities. Dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Now, not just anyone should serve as deacon of a church. Only those who are qualified and meet these biblical qualifications. The biblical office of the deacon is important. It's essential for the church. The gospel is moved forward when deacons serve well in this role. Now there's also benefits to the deacon if they serve well in this role. Let's look at 1 Timothy 3, verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Deacons and potential deacons should never become a deacon for the benefit of just being a deacon, just as a person should never claim Christ just for the benefit of being a Christian. Both are callings to deny yourself and to sacrifice for God, being a deacon and following Christ. The role of the pastor is the same. You should never come to Jesus or do things for Jesus just to get something. It's always about giving something. With that being said, there are always benefits to following Jesus. There's always benefits in following Jesus and in serving him. For the deacon, those who serve well are well thought of in the church and in the community, and their faith is strengthened. As a deacon, you serve on the front line of seeing how ministry affects people's lives. And you better believe it that when you do that, your faith is strengthened when you see how ministry impacts people. I mentioned just a moment ago that you should never come to Christ or do for Christ just to get something. It's always to give something. When you recognize your need for Jesus to make you right with God, you get something, but you also give something. In trusting Jesus, you make him the lord of your life you give up control of your own life you give him your life to do with as he pleases i'll invite the worship team to come back up and throughout this series i have brought our attention to romans chapter 6 verse 23 for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, without Jesus, you will die. Not just death in this life, we all do that, but without Jesus, you will be separated from all that is good and all that is loving for a future forever. This is the death that sin brings separation from God and separation from goodness. But God gives the grace. It's found in the free gift of Jesus. In Jesus, you will have life even after death on this earth. Life everlasting awaits those who follow Jesus and make him the Lord and center of their life. Will you follow Jesus today? Will you submit to his authority over your life? We're going to sing in a moment. A song of invitation. If you want to talk more about what it means to follow Jesus or how to live your life like you are a Christian, this is the time for you to come forward and talk about that or pray about that. Are you following Jesus? Does your life look like you're following Jesus? Will you stand as we pray? God, we thank you for the good gifts that you give us, the gift of your word, the gift of grace found in Jesus and we thank you for Jesus help us to not look at Jesus and see only what we get help us to look at Jesus and to see what we give we give up our very lives to follow him to trust him that where he leads we will follow give us strength to do that in Jesus name we pray